Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikkim, but with me is Benjamin Solak. What? What? I feel like you did it differently. What did I do differently? You did the tempo differently. You say it's welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. And you said like, welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Should I do it again? You want me to do it again? You want me to do it again? Run it back. Okay, I'll just do it again right for you. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Okay, thank you. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak, here to keep me in line, I guess, today. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, all caps, one word, Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order of some of the best protein bars on the planet. Excited about this episode and excited about what we are doing in the month of March here on this podcast. Ben and I are going to be going through our final evals of prospects in the 2021 NFL Draft class. We've done a lot of work talking about these prospects, talking about the teams, their situations, what they need, how they perform this season. And now we're going to talk about the other side of it, the guys that they might be selecting, the players who are on the boards at what might be positions of need today. We're starting backwards. Normally, you start with quarterback. You know, you work your way through the offense. You end with safety. We're actually starting with safety, so we're saving the best for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that on purpose. We suckered you guys into it. Now you got to hang on for the whole series. You see how that works. Showmanship, people. I'm excited to get to this safety group because, you know what, Ben? I'm going to be honest. I was impressed. Maybe not first-round impressed, but I was impressed. We'll get to that in a second, but first, my friend, how are you? Uh, everything is delicious. Uh, but we're doing like this, and we're kind of a day behind. But it's also because it's extremely busy, and it's March, and it's draft season, so y'all can deal with it. Yeah, love I, you. Right, I am sorry to everybody who normally has us knows that the podcast comes out the, the midnight before. But this week's just going to be very different for reasons that I can't say yet. But I'm, I am right. excited to yeah. to let you guys know. But you might have to be a little bit flexible with us this week. There might be a couple of episodes where we double up on one day. Because we want to give you the content that we promised. But it's draft season. We're going to be all over the place. We're trying to get you as much information, as much content on these prospects as possible. But here today for this podcast... We're talking about safeties. Ben, I already mentioned that I actually really enjoyed going through the safety group. Of course, I did not watch all of them. Uh, I got 10 on final evals, but there are also plenty that I watched through summer scouting and through live watching that I have on my list as well. I'm going to get to some, I think, through uh, the closer that we get to draft season. But I watched the 10 that I think were the most important, knowing that I have some notes on some other guys as well. And I'm going to be honest, I was pleasantly surprised. Is it an all-world safety class where we're talking about guys going in the top five and top 10? No. But I really do think that for as versatile as defenses are right now and how you're drafting a lot of these safety players to be individual mismatch neutralizers, if you will, I liked a lot of the guys in this group. What did you think? Right. I think that it's becoming easier to understand how to get safeties on the field, base and nickel, base and dime, get different athletes, put them in different roles, protect them from box play, so on and so forth. So I understand what you're saying in that sense. Uh, I don't, I just, I don't think it's great top end talent. Like you said, you know, that there's no, uh, 
Uh, you know, there's no top five, top 10 guys in this class. The last safety to be taken, top five, top 10, was Jamal Adams, right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember who before that, who it was? Ooh. Um, Eric Berry? No. When did Eric Berry get drafted? Um, he was he was he was very high, right? Eric Berry was taken fifth overall. Fifth in overall in twenty ten. Yes. However, there was a safety taken, top ten in twenty twelve. Oh, twenty twelve. Uh, Lord. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. Are you messing yeah. up the podcast already? Don't be messing up the no, no, podcast no, it's already. Right. The it's people right, waited right. for this. Don't be wrong. It's right. I'm right. Okay, I have no idea. Who is it? It was your football team, Mark Barron. Oh, he was a sweet Jesus. Okay. That's why I had to double check, but he was a safety. I don't even think of him as a safety now. I just think of him as a linebacker. God, I was so happy when they drafted Mark Barron. I thought that he was just going to punish wide receivers for the next 10 yep. years. This is funny because we're going to talk about a player that I think compares pretty similarly to Mark Barron uh, later in the podcast. Okay. Well, the way that we're going to structure these and the way that we're going to run through them, because we're not just going to babble on. I mean, we are, but we're going to at least structure it a little bit better than that. We're going to talk about our favorite deep safety in this class, our favorite box safety in this class, a guy who was our toughest evaluation, and our favorite day three target. So we're giving some safeties, some superlatives here on this episode And then at the end of the episode, we will also run through our top five or top 10, however we want to do it, whatever we're comfortable with, at least the top five that we have in this class before we get out of here. Ben, where do you want to start? Which superlative do you want to start with? Uh, Well, let's do box safety because that's what I alluded to. Mark Barron came out, uh, Alabama, six foot one. He measured in at 213 pounds at the combine, uh, ran a four, five, four, 40, which is healthy. Jumped 34, jumped uh, 34 and a half in the vert, 10, two in the broad. Those are good good times for uh safety let alone a linebacker mm-hmm. which he would eventually become my favorite box safety in this class is 6'2, 215 i think he's probably gonna run high four fives but he could jump those numbers uh, and that's talanoa hufanga at a usc man okay all right this th- we're gonna have so, an interesting conversation here about hufanga then we talked about a different or we talked about hufanga in summer scouting yeah and he he made your top five he just missed mine the big issue with Hufanga is he's had multiple uh, shoulder surgeries across the course of his USC career, uh, and he wasn't even available to start the beginning of this 2020 season as he was still rehabbing, if memory serves. But he had a tremendous 2020, which nobody really cared or watched because it was USC in the Pac-12 in a six-game season and whatever. Um, but he had four interceptions in six games. He forced two fumbles, and he brought together 62 total tackles across the course of six games. So averaging over 10 tackles a game, averaging two-thirds of a pick a game. Really, really impressive production. Uh, Hufanga is just a hammer, all right? He, he, no you doubt. Look, I look yes. at him, I look at him, and I'm like, that's that's Owusu Koromoa. Like, he's that size. He's humongous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they regularly play him second level uh, because I don't think he has deep safety range. And that's why he's my favorite box safety in this class is because I think he's instinctive. I think he's aggressive. I think he understands his roles. And I think he's functional as a man cover defender over tight ends because of his size. A lot of times we're seeing now box safeties become 
players who play over number two, players who play over number three, right? The number two, the number three receiver. They play over slot guys. Mm -hmm. uh, Hufanga can line up in the box for you as a D-gap defender because he's physical and strong enough to be on the line in run support. Yeah. He can, he can line up as a Malcolm Jenkins weak side linebacker, be your C-gap defender, and he's strong enough to come downhill and fill against pullers and what have you. But if that tight end releases upfield, he can take him. So that's why you like him in that box safety role. Uh, all of that is sufficient. All of that is starting caliber. I just don't think he's going to be very fast. Uh, I, I don't think right. he's got great range. I don't think he takes great deep angles. Uh, and so I want to protect him from deep play. I want to bring him near the line of scrimmage, exactly what USC did. I want to play him as a quasi linebacker. Uh, because of the health, he might get knocked down boards a little bit. The this This stretch of play in 2020 was the best play that he's had in his career. And it's going to be viewed a little bit of a question mark, right? It's Pac-12 in a weird season with all this odd preparation and whatnot. Uh, so I'm not sure just how much you can put into this top flight production. But man, I mean, he flies around. He's such a consistent tackler. I love players who can bring the thunder, but don't do it every down and only bring it when appropriate. Like he's a great form tackler. He understands how to wrap up. He understands how to drive. He understands how to fill with angles. Yep. And then when he smells blood in the water, he puts the jets on and he'll knock your socks off. Uh, so I, I really appreciate the speed and the physicality with which he plays. Uh, to me, he's the most exciting box safety in the class. So he was, I guess it it depends. When you talk about most exciting box safety, I guess it depends how how close in the box or like, basically, do you, how close in the box you're talking or whether you just want him almost in like a slot or a linebacker level. Because here, I'll read you, I'll read you what I had with Hufonga. E extremely impressive tackler. Best work when he can keep his shoulder square, go after the ball carry in front of him. Was aligned as a free safety for USC much more than I thought he would be given his skill set. Although his free safety roles were often also very close towards the line of scrimmage, just kind of in the center of the field, almost creating like a triangle with the defense. Has nice straight line speed, I thought. I used the word nice on purpose. I didn't say great. I didn't say like good. I, I said he has nice straight yep. line speed when you get him going. Right. Acceptable. But the flexibility and change of direction limits how well he can cover in space and the pursuit angles that he takes on the ball. I said he's a box defender role at the next level. So I think that we saw him similarly. I think I'm just, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was more concerned about him watching him now than I even was in summer scouting. And I think oh, that that's dang. interesting. You went up for me after this past season. Right. You're saying he, you, you felt there was a wow. That's and surprising. I, and I'm not so sure if that was maybe anything to do with him because I will agree he played pretty confident this year. It's like it's not like he never played without confidence or out of control. Maybe it was just watching guys in this class back to back with him and I saw them flip the hips and change the direction and have more fluid fluidity and, and greater linear speed. And I just went, man, I just, yeah. I'm worried that he gets a little lost. So I think you might be right there. We seem to have the evaluation the same. And if we're talking about a guy who's playing close to within the tackles, almost like a true box defender, then right. I think you're right because he does have the strength, the better strength than anyone in this class to hold up there. Um, so that was, that was my evaluation of him. Yeah, I think, right, I think I want to play him in the box because I want to narrow his scope because his football IQ is great and his first three steps are great. Yeah. I just don't want, the more the more space he has around him, the more he's going to have to change direction, and the more he's got to change direction, the worse it's going to get. Yeah. So I want him to play in a narrow scope, but I also think if he plays in that narrow scope, he can be awesome. Like, I started thinking about how uh, Baltimore has used Chuck Clark, uh, six foot 205, right, in that, that Wink Martindale defense 
constantly up in your line of scrimmage, sugaring a gap, stand up outside rusher. They blitz Hufanga a ton. And usually if you blitz a player a ton, I'm like, this is bad news, but they do it. Cause he's awesome. <laughs> like he's no so doubt. like, he's, he's just like throwing hands against tackles and like mm-hmm. rushing speed to power. He's a nutcase. Uh, and so in a blitz heavy defense that wants to put bodies on the line of scrimmage, who can reasonably rush and, and be a running back who's filling the a gap or, or, or execute a good outside rush, execute a good contain chase down an athletic quarterback while also being a threat to drop and function in man coverage. So your Baltimore Ravens defenses, your Miami Dolphins defenses, your Tennessee Titans defenses. Uh, this to me is, is the ideal player. So I really like him in the box for that role. Who was your guy? A guy that I liked as, you know, when you said box safety, I kind of thought is like more of a, just like a strong safety hybrid player. And I looked at Javon Holland and Holland is not nearly as strong as Hufanga, but I think he's much more athletic. I think he's much more fluid I think he's got bit greater linear speed as well. He plays a lot of nickel safety. Like, he goes up against tight ends a lot. He plays guys in the slot a lot, which I really like. One of the uh, plus intangibles I have for him or potential trump cards are him being a tight end neutralizer in the passing game, which I really liked. also really liked how he attacked the line of scrimmage. Uh, I thought he was a good run defender with strong tackling. He didn't carry as much meat as a guy like Hufonga did, but that is fine to me because it also allows him to, like you said, be more outside the box. You know, like you you want Hufonga's range to be very limited. I'm not worried about Javon Holland's range at all. And so you're not worried about Javon Holland's range at all. No, I meant, sorry. What I meant was like away from the line of scrimmage, not like on the back end free safety range. That's okay. I should, I should, I should have used the words correctly. You're right. Because I was about to be like range. (laughs) No range is a very important word for this podcast. So you're right. I used the wrong words there. You can play him out more. And what I really was saying was you can allow him to play in the nickel. You can allow him to play in, in coverage and he can be a sub package defender. And so I saw him as kind of like a walk up strong safety type player who could play a lot in man coverage. I liked his break on the ball. I liked his break on routes. He played with confidence. He's got the ball skills. You know, he's a little bit tight in the back pedal, which it's understandable because he's a bigger, longer corner. He's about six foot two or not corner. Um, he's a bigger, longer safety. He's about six foot two. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't expect guys who are six two to turn like players who are 5'11 or even six foot or so. It just does not often I can expect whatever I want. work like that. Sure. Yeah. If you want everybody to be Jalen Ramsey, of course. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a really good athlete. And I saw more coverage ability from him in that regard while also being strong on the line of scrimmage. So that's why he got the best like box defender, strong safety role for me. Mm-hmm. I So I had games like with final grades on them for Holland because I'm pretty sure when uh, we evaluated him. We knew he was going to be out for the season. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Pac-12 then brought the season back, and he was still opted out and whatever. Um, so I watched another game of him, granted it out pretty much exactly the same. I, I agree with you. He's more versatile than Hufanga. I'm worried versatility is his best trait, and that's always dangerous because when versatility is your best trait, at that, at your, it means you're just steady. It means you're just solid. There's nothing wrong with being just solid. When you say uh, when you say versatility, you don't mean like free safety, strong safety, right? Do you mean? Well, I mean, mean right. I mean, so you're going to line him deep. Uh, you're going to line him in deep half, and sometimes you're going to rotate him down. You know, boundary. So you're going to weak. Okay, rot- you're going to sure. ro- rotate him down. He's going to play a short zone for you, and then you're going to line him deep. And sometimes you're going to drop him deep, and it's not going to be great, but it's going to be fine. When you drop him in the box, it's not going to be amazing, but it's going to be fine. And when you put him in man coverage against fine players, he'll be fine. Against top players, he won't be like. 
what what's a Holland's ace? What's what's the trump card? What is it that he can definitely do every time you put him out on the field? I would that's tell you, my thing with him. I would tell you matchup against tight ends. I'd tell you to be a, a nickel uh, safety defender. I tell I I don't think he's got it like that. I really you, don't. You worry about I, it like what? Just the the overall athleticism? Yeah, I think that he's a fine. I no, I think that he's a fine player profile wise. Like, all right, six one. 205 200 you should be able to do it i don't think i've seen him do it enough on film at a high level against top tier competition for me to be like yeah this is him he's my tight end eraser okay you can try it maybe i i'm on holland i'm like so perfectly fine with him and that's it all right you know what i mean like that that that's where i struggle and that's the thing is like in this class if that makes him safety one off the board i'll get it because there's, there's really only one player who I really think is like a immediate year one high impact ability, and I can understand why somebody else wouldn't think that. Don't spoil uh, that though, because we're, we're we got a commercial yeah, to get yeah. to, and we're getting to it after the break. Did you? No, want, yeah, I'm holding that. Okay. Did, did you want to throw out a last point? I didn't want to totally cut you off there though. Before yeah, we, yeah, we got no, to I work. was just I was just gonna say, if that makes him an early draft safety in this class, that's fine. I think that you're gonna get him. I think he's gonna start for you. I think he's gonna take majority of snaps for you, and I think it's gonna be okay and then i think he's going to get to the end of his rookie contract and you're going to be like sure i this doesn't he doesn't profile to me as like a cornerstone piece of your defense i definitely don't think he's safety one but uh yeah like i said we'll get to that after the break before we get there we got to talk to the betting people who listen to this podcast bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action football might be over but college basketball nhl mlb all that stuff that's in full swing already you can get it on that BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, anything you want to put some money on. If you were a degenerate gambler, BetOnline's got you. Head over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Locked on is the promo code, all caps, one word, locked on. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. We're going to get to one of the best deep safeties in the class after this. We're covering everything you need to know about the NFL Draft, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there with Locked On Today. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, it's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Podcast today wherever you get your podcast. I teased it. Now we got to get to it. Now we got to do this one right now. We're talking the best deep safety in the 2021 NFL Draft. Ben, who you got? Trevon Merrick, baby. Yeah, we're gonna have, we, we got the same. We got the same guy here. This is the dude. This is the dude. And here's the thing: there are absolutely holes in his game. He's not a perfect player. I don't. I didn't give him a round one grade. I don't think I'll give that many players in this entire draft a round one grade. To be frank, uh, but if we're talking about a player who has a high ceiling in the league beyond just being like, oh, he's a great athlete. So he's a high ceiling. I think it's Merrick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought this up before. Merrick is a smart cookie. He just right. absolutely knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and there are plays he makes from the roof that you're not supposed to make. And he makes them because he knows what's happening. Snap the whistle, right? It's not just like, oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit. I see this route coming. I'm going. It's from the moment the ball snapped. He's like, yeah, this is coming up the scene. You yep. know what I mean? You can just tell yep. he's sitting on top of it. He, uh, I watched his uh, his Oklahoma State film, and that Yurchik offense isn't the most complex thing in the face of the planet. And Merrick was just like, "Yo, please throw me something different. Like, this is boring. Like <laughs> I, I've not got this locked. Yeah. Like, and and is he making plays to the outside? Uh, uh, you know, regularly, right? Is he making plays on the sideline regularly? No. Did he make a couple good ones in that 
game? Absolutely, yes. And the thing is, he's playing on the roof, right? He's playing with y'all deep center field, the roof, single high, right? At like 205, 208, right? And that's why I gave him a Ronnie Harrison comp, uh, which I, I think is is a little bit like I don't want to say controversial because nobody really cares, but like it's it's people were surprised by that. I put it on Twitter last week. Uh, Harrison played deep middle on that Minka Fitzpatrick secondary, right? Mm-hmm. They had Minka playing like the he star. Roaming, they had Minka, yeah, yeah. Yeah, playing the box safety. And they had uh, Eddie Jackson on that, that secondary as well. And obviously Eddie Jackson ends up being a true deep middle safety when it's all said and done. Uh, but they had Harrison when Jack, because Jackson was, I want to say, a freshman when Harrison was a junior. Uh, they had Harrison as the deep middle safety. The Jaguars, before they traded Harrison, he was their starting deep middle safety on that. He was their starting free safety. He obviously spent time in the box because you're 6'1", 205, and you're really good in the box. Uh, but that's similar to Merrick. Merrick has the frame of a player who can play in the box. He has the the quick recognition, the quick instincts, the quick footwork to succeed playing in the box. He has the frame to be successful in man coverage when he's down at the second level. But he's being aligned deep, and it's because he's good at it. It's, it's because that's a difficult position to play well, and he does play it well. He is not a sideline-to-sideline side range player mm-hmm. in large part because of his size. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to run fine. I don't think he's going to run great. Right. Uh, and I, and I, I believe that because... Oftentimes, you see safety and you say, okay, if you can just fix their footwork and you can just fix their play recognition and teach them how to cheat and write better angles, and we can make him faster play speed-wise. And right. I think Merrick is so good in those areas. Right. And there are still plays he doesn't get to. And so it's like, all right, I, I don't think I can make you faster functionally. So you're probably just not like an absolute sprinter. And that's okay. Uh, sideline to sideline, free safeties are legends. Their names start with Ed Reed and end with Earl Thomas, and there's nobody in between. You know, and that, that's obviously not true. But like, even like like the bet like Justin Simmons is about to be the highest paid safety, and there are plays he can't get to on the sidelines. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's it's too much ground to cover against the way that offenses play. Yeah, so if you can just in the NFL, be, right? If you can just be really good at closing down posts, overs, crossers, deep digs, which Merrick absolutely is. Yeah, shutting down that middle of the field, that's going to be a huge impact, especially in a heavy play action. Uh, offense meta that's in the NFL right now. So Merrick is my safety one. Uh, he is my best free safety in this class. I think he's a very impressive player, a really fun film watch if you want to like watch more safeties. Uh, imperfect, but I would say worthy of a back end of the first round pick. Yeah, so my blurb on him, I, I could just read it off because it's, it's honestly echoing a lot of the things that you said there. Experienced safety who has been starting since his freshman season. Really nice anticipation and communication as his own defender. Square up tackler in the open field. Great instincts when coming downhill to tackle and uh, on quick passes. Also knows how to match breaks on routes uh, and routes gaining depth deep down the field. Instincts are so good, he really just does not get beat or outsmarted very often. Knows how to be subtle and physical in man coverage as well. The big thing with him, it's just overall athleticism. And he plays the position so very well. And I'm such a sucker for safeties who know what they're doing on the back end. These are fantastic players. However, for as much as I really marveled at Merrick as I continued to watch him... I kind of came to the reality and the same conclusion that you did is, okay, this is a player who I really enjoy right now, who I am watching at TCU, and I think this can be an NFL starter, absolutely. But this is about his ceiling. You know, like, there, you know, he he can, of course, get 
even more recognition. You know, he he can get even smarter, have even better anticipation, but his anticipation is already good. So what we're seeing from Merrick is probably what we're going to get, but right. that also means that he is not going to be an Ed Reed. He's not going to be an Earl Thomas. And this could be a giant duh. Of course, there aren't many of these guys, but it's worth saying because he is a closed safety defender. He can close the middle of the field. He can play that cover one. He can play that single high in that center field. You love that about him. That gives you a lot of versatility. And I think no matter what you're asking him to do, Merrick can do it for you. He's just not going to do it at like this crazy elite level that you draft in the top 10. And so I agree with you. I think that when I watch Trayvon Merrick, I would be comfortable taking him at the back end of the first round for certain teams. I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars who have a desperate safety need, who would love to have a player that is just as smart as Trayvon Merrick on the back end as they continue to build out that defense. And I think it's going to be really, really important. So that's a spot where I would be very okay with him going in the first round. Overall, I think that he's going to get a top 50 grade. I'm, I'm working out a new a new system of, of scouting oh. and, and ranking this year that I'm kind of trying out. So I'm not exactly sure where it's going to come in, but I, I believe that this is a top 50 player. I really do. He deserves to be picked in the top 50 of this draft because of how well he can play single high, even if he's sometimes not going to be able to get to the sideline. That's the right. way I look at his game. And I think the big thing is, is, is what you said in terms of like ceiling, like he's the player that I think could be really impactful in year one, but I think he's going to be largely what he is. Uh, the only way he's not going to be largely what he is, is if a team wants him exclusively in a box role. And I think he's going to have to learn the ins and outs a little bit of that. Cause he's obviously he's played field safety for uh, the Horn Frogs for the past couple of years, but I, I would still accept, expect him to be successful there. And that's what kind of sucks with the Ronnie Harrison comp is, Harrison was just traded for a fifth round pick. And so I think people hear that and be like, eh, Harrison's really good. Like he's a good player. He's, he's not a top nine safety, but he might be fringed, you know, around 10. Like, what'd you know, you say, the, what'd yeah. you say nine for? Uh, because I was thinking like top 10. <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking like top 10. And then I was like, he might be fringed top 10. So I was like, all right, top nine. Um, but that was just funny. Like, <laughs> because Harrison was just traded in the fire sale from Jacksonville, I feel like people will think that's not a compliment. And it is. Uh, it, drafting Ronnie Harrison in the first round, what he's been for the Jags and then for the Browns, who like desperately needed him to come back from injury this past season, uh, you'd be happy with that. Maybe not with pick 16, but with pick 26, for sure. Who is your toughest evaluation of this safety group? Uh, well, we're going to stay in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we're going to go to our Darius Washington, okay. who I love to death. Sure. And is also five foot eight, 185 pounds. Yeah, right, right. All right, right. Here's what made our Darius Washington difficult. Uh, you turn on Washington's film. You say, okay, this guy is, is small. But firstly, he backs a punch. He's a really, really nice player into mm-hmm. the boundary. So very frequently lining up outside of the tackle box. Plays come to him quickly. Bubble screens, option runs, right? Jet sweeps, a lot of quick hitting plays to the boundary that are meant to get outside of him. They don't get outside of him, and he's able to make big plays on the, on the football. Awesome. Uh, when he starts to play a little bit further off, and he's in off coverage, working off the stem of the number two receiver, stem of the number three receiver, good feet, good turn and run ability. I think that he's very smooth in his transitions. Physical coming in and downhill, closing on quick breaking routes, willing to attack the catch point. Is he successful attacking the catch point? Not all the time. We're going to get to that in a second. Pull him even further back now. Get him into deep alignments because he plays deep half for them. He plays deep middle for them on occasion. He can do it. Uh, he, he's very willing, again, to go up in the catch point. He's got good ball skills. For, again, player of his size. We're going to talk about that in a second. But he's got good ball skills when he's addressing the catch point. Right, I agree. Uh, he, a little bit more so than Merig, 
peeks and cheats and, and does some of the, the, the stuff that you expect college safeties to do and trying to figure it out and everything. But he also makes some really nice, flashy recognition plays as well, passing off crossers, getting on top of deep posts. He knows what he's doing. So all three levels, he knows what he's doing. There are times he goes up against other NFL caliber bodies, and you're like, this just isn't tenable, right? So you watch him against Texas, and he's dealing with Bijan Robinson, right? That running back who's going to be a, an early draft pick when he comes out. And you're just like, ah, dang. Like, it's, oh, that's not, you know, you just kind of getting steamrolled a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, you watch him play against Oklahoma, and they're getting pullers to the second level where Washington is. And well, you're like, yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah. you're not going to you're not right. going to you're not going to like but that you, you you need him at times to be a forced player. If you're going to play him over the slot and there's going to be times where right. George Kittle flexes out to him and Washington is ready for that. He grits his teeth and he goes and he, he, he does his darndest and you respect that. But there's a limitation there. Five foot eight, one eighty. So can I make him a permanent deep middle player? who doesn't have to work about worry about that. I'm not sure because I'm, I'm I haven't seen him fill that role very well uh, very often. So that's number one. Can I make him a permanent slot player? Is he good enough in man coverage to pull that off? I think so, but there's going to be limits. There's going to be, uh, you know, a, a, a deficit there. Can I make him a combo player? Can he be a depth player that comes off my bench and backs up both of those spots? Sure. How much is he giving you on special teams? Again, the want to is there. Uh, I don't know if the size and then the ideal speed are there. Like Merrick, he's an extremely smart player, and he's one that I want on my team. I would, I, if I were a defensive coach, a safeties coach, I would be pushing for our Darius Washington. It would be the general manager's job to figure out when exactly that player is valued, and that's what I struggle with. I my grading scale just spits out a number, and when I look at Washington, I have him very highly graded in a couple of the traits that I evaluate for safeties, mm -hmm. and then quite lowly graded in some of the other traits I evaluate for safeties, and it ends up just spitting out a number, and that number is like, oh, he's just a mid day three, or he's a mid round three player. And I look at my other mid-round three players, I'm like, yeah, but I can figure out roles for them a lot easier. Uh, I, I can put them into boxes, and the boxes help me understand them. Washington is a LaMarcus Joyner type, and Joyner's been pushed around and has been passed around, and they've different teams use him in different ways. It might be hard for him, if he's not with a defense coordinator who really wants to commit to him, to figure out what exactly his best role is going to be. I think it's the slot, but there's going to be issues with that. I love our Darius Washington. I really do. He's so freaking fun. I mean, yeah, he's he's just he's he's such a fun film evaluation. But there's no doubt about it. I mean, size comes into it. He's just he's small, but he brings so much great stuff to the position and just being out there on the field. He's got so much great speed, and when he when he sees things correctly and he breaks on the ball and when he goes up for it in the air, like you said, it's a thing of beauty. You love it. It's great safety play. But you just you do you get you get worried a little bit, and you know there's just going to be a little bit of a give and take because I think he's an NFL player and I think he's a good NFL player and I think he's an impact guy one way or the other. You've just kind of got to live with his limitations and it's always a hard evaluation. So he's a great player to bring up when you have so many things that you like about him and yet so many things that you have to take away from his film score because it's a limitation of what you do. But I do think that we're seeing defenses nowadays streamline a lot of guys and get them in the right positions. And I think that the right defense coordinator can really make a gem out of Ardarius Washington because of how well he is in other areas. Ardarius was was one of the guys that I would bring up for a tough evaluation. Richie Grant was also a tough evaluation for me. I'm glad we get to talk about Richie Grant. Do you love Richie Grant? No, I don't get it. Okay. I did. I, me and Ben Fennell were arguing about this earlier this week. I just can't get my head around it. So... I see it. I really do with him. 
Um, but like I was even reading the premium scouting report that we have on the site and Joe Marino did, and he talked about putting him in like free safety roles and having him as a cover one guy and having him as inter- interchangeable safety. And like, I can see that from an athletic standpoint, cause the guy goes, you know, zero to 100 very quickly. He's a very athletic player. I think he's feisty. He's very physical. He likes to attack. I doesn't always stick a nose, his nose in there, but I mean, like he is a competitive dude with a lot of athleticism with him. The processing really always isn't there for me. And there were times when I was caught watching some of his tape, primarily I thought in 2019, where I almost kind of like was daydreaming a little bit. Like he was just like on the field. Like I was watching his number and we we weren't seeing a lot of impact in either his spacing or what he was making an impact with on the ball. And I was just kind of like getting lost with him. And so I, I... see the athletic profile and I see what people like with him because of his potential. But one thing that I do love that Joe had on his final final film evaluation is he had his comp as Jordan Whitehead and Jordan Whitehead. I know very well from Tampa drafting him as this uber athletic will put his body on the line for every tackle kind of a safety that has formed into a really nice rotational player who can fly around the field in the Todd Bowles defense. So I like the comp there. I just see people with Richie Grant like going borderline first round and top 50, and I'm just, I'm not quite there with it. Like I think that he's a day two safety, and I think he can be a nice athletic piece on the back end, but I didn't see like a safety that I would prioritize on there. And that was a little bit difficult reading what I've read about him after I had my final eval done. And I was just like, man, I just I, I don't see it the way that other people do. So in that sense, he was kind of confusing to me. It's just an athletic guy that I don't think processes things as well as he needs to or as aggressively as he plays. And I don't know if that's ever going to be there for him. So it was a little bit difficult for me. Yeah, so I cannot. So, okay. Richie Grant, 2019. Watched him, didn't get it. Inconsistent tackler, inconsistent angles. Uh not as many impact plays I'd like to see. Yeah. 2020. Here he's playing better. Great. Can't wait to watch the film. Goes to the senior bowl. And people were like, yo, he is killing it in coverage. And I was like, sick. And I watched him in that senior bowl film. And he did. He was very, very good at man coverage. And I'm worried about that because I then did his film eval. And I was like, yo, he's great in man coverage. And I'm like, am I making this up? Because I saw this at the senior bowl. And I saw people talking about this. And now I'm kind of projecting it onto the film. But to me, when I look back at the plays that I graded out well, right, like big plus marks, big check marks, underline, this is it. It was very frequently like, you know, over number two, off cover, reading quarterback drop, RPO, close downhill, PBU, right, play through the catch point. It was, uh, you know, uh, rotate down over, over, you know, number three, running back out to the flat, close down quickly, uh, you know, physical uh, attacking the football, quick tackle in space. Cool. Like it was a lot of just like man coverage responsibilities behind blitzes. Uh, they send him on blitzes a ton, which is I brought up with Hufanga is scares me. Uh, and I don't think he's a really great blitzer. I think that that's a little bit kind of what they want him to do in that, that defense because of his strength and his weaknesses. Uh, when I see him in deep zone coverage, I do not find an impact player. I don't find a player who can get to where the yeah. ball is going to be. I didn't see that I, either. I yeah, didn't see the free I, safety type. The, uh, the inconsistent, like there's times where the angles are great and the tackles are great. There's times when there's not, and he can be an ankle nipper, especially later in games. He starts to get tired. He's played a physical game where he's just like, I'm cutting knees, I'm cutting knees, and I can't have that as my last guy back. Uh, 
Cincinnati game, they've got a lot of size. He was just melting off people. It's just not consistently bringing guys down. I, I'm not. I think Richie Grant is a fine player, uh, given what the grade that I gave him uh, as again like a man cover player who I, I'd like to see in the second level playing over the slot, uh, rushing off off the D gap. He may end up like a top 100 grade for me. He's in that range of off of previous classes, so like he could very well be that player. I would. I struggled to have him higher than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's fine for who he is. I think that maybe his, his hype train's a little, a little out on it. So was he your, was he your most, that was your most difficult guy you said? Yeah, that was my toughest eval. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. No, that's a good one. Cause I, I, I wanted to talk about him. So I'm glad we got him in. Um, we should read an ad. We should read an ad before we get to the last part of the podcast. Don't we mentioned me it at the top of the show. But BuiltBar.com has got the most fantastic protein bars that you're ever going to taste. I know normally when you're looking for protein bars, it's like, okay, do we, do I want one that actually tastes good or do I want one that's great for my macros? You know, like lowering calories, you know, not a million carbs, all that kinds of stuff. Well, now, Built Bar, you don't have to choose. It's the best of both worlds. they got 18 incredible flavors. You're going to love them. And also, low in calories, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber. Boom. What else do you want? What else can you? What else can you want? Nothing. Go to billbar.com. Check out all the flavors that they have. Check out other options for buying. I mean, you don't have to buy one flavor with a box. If you order a box, you can mix and match the box to get a bunch of different flavors in there to try them. If you've never tried them before, and if that's the case, use the promo code Locked On Twenty. You got to put the twenty at the end, but it's no spaces, all caps. Locked On Twenty. That's two zero at the end, and you're gonna get twenty percent off your next order. Head to billbar.com. Check out the flavors. Locked On Twenty is the promo code. We will be back to finish our safety evals after this. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On at Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the league, covering the NFL's latest news and insights on all the teams, all the moves around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, much more every Wednesday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, who's your favorite day three guy in this safety group? Uh, of the players I've seen so far, which, uh, you know, there's always more. So that's cool. I would like to shout out Joshua Bledsoe, the senior out of Missouri. Uh, I'm glad that you're bringing o- him up because I wasn't going. He's not my guy, but I, I did want you to bring him up. 5'11", 200. I think they're lying. That's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do it. I think he's 5'10". Uh, he and Tyree Gillespie were a good senior safety duo in Missouri. Gillespie played uh, deep. Bledsoe played over the slot. He was going against the SEC. You're going to be tasked with a wide variety of bodies that are and and ways that defenses are, or excuse me, that offenses are going to come at you with those bodies, right? So he sees Alabama, uh, and he's got uh, uh, Jalen Waddle right coming at him from the slot in that insane Waddle game, right? He's occasionally in man coverage over Waddle, occasionally in man coverage over Devonta Smith. Uh, he's gets Georgia, and he's got that. 6'7", 260 tight end. Who's that freshman? Whatever his name is, that nutcase. Uh, he's got to deal with him in man coverage. Just waddle that guy and everybody in between. And <laughs> he's really impressive in man coverage for a player of his size. He's sticky. He's aggressive. He gets right up in your face, up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Missouri would line him up in press. A lot of these safeties we've talked about have been coming down from depth, reading from off coverage. Bledsoe's up at the line of scrimmage, punching guys. Uh, successful doing it. Really, really nice feet. Really good transitions. Uh I, I said in the pre-show to Trev, he reminds. Uh, or, or, I actually didn't say this. I was talking about a different safety. He reminds wow, me at times. Cool. I didn't of, want to hear it. Well, yeah, I, I realized I was going to give a comparison. No, that's cool. It's fine. 
Okay, whatever. Fine. No, you, you, know do, no, you do it now. You, you do it. You can do it. You can do it no, now. No, I didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to know before. It's fine. Uh, there are times where he reminds me of Kayvon Wallace, the the safety out of Clemson last season, who would move around a lot in that defense and would at times be responsible for press coverage over the slot and was successful in that role. Bledsoe is doing that as well. Uh, he's not a candidate for deep play, but unlike our Darius Washington, who is a candidate for deep play, right? Bledsoe has the size and the strength and and good technique for beating blocks when they come his way. Uh, he he slips tight ends really easily, like more easily than a player of his athletic profile should. I think he's just got a knack for it. I, I, I would like he's a slippery dude, and I like the way he tackles in space, especially coming down on constraint plays into the boundary. So to me, this is fifth, sixth defensive back off the bench can train him as a safety, but you're largely going to be playing him over the slot, does have special teams value because of the size, and I think the, the speed is enough. So Joshua Bledsoe, a number one Missouri, worth of film watch, late uh, early day three player. Good guy. Yep. I mean, I, I, I liked him relatively. I mean, like, I project him in the same role. I think he's a nickel defender, but uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you brought him up there. My day three guy, who do you think it is? Cisco? It's Andre Cisco. I am yeah. going to wrestle with this for the next two months because I told you guys I'm working through. I I, I want to say tweaked, but it's almost like an overhaul of how I am grading film and intangibles and everything on a lot of these guys. And I picked a really bad year to do it because we don't have the combine and, and actual like solidified athletic numbers. But I mean, that's neither here nor there. So when I have a lot of scores for Cisco, there are so many things that I like. This was similar to our Darius Washington, but man, the film, it just, it's, there's too many inconsistencies. Here's my blurb on him. No player on the field will want to make a big time play more than Andre Cisco, whether it's interceptions, pass breakups and coverage, or blasting a blocker or ball carrier. When Cisco goes 100%, he is an impact player. Unfortunately, he doesn't give the maximum effort in all occasions, and that includes focus required for more disciplined plays. He's a very good athlete for his size, but he gets too sloppy in pursuit angles and coverage responsibilities. Lack of gap discipline might limit how much work you can use him as a strong safety who comes up towards the box and helps in the run. Best attribute is his single high free safety ability. He has incredible range for a player of his size, which I should probably list this off. 6-1-2-10. So, I mean, like, he is a, he is a, health, he is a healthy safety who can really move, who's got great range on the back end as a free safety. Very high ceiling player, but it is a big projection right now to reach it, and not reaching it could leave him out of a contributing job. And so... This is a player who could have very easily been my toughest evaluation because there are so many things that I like about him, including the fact that he took the ball away. He got more takeaways than any player in college football over the last two years. He had 12 interceptions and 1.27 passes broken up per game, which is incredible. This guy is so good in his flashes, but he plays with a recklessness right now that would not allow him to see the field enough in the NFL for him to make those impact plays. And so because he has such a high ceiling, he is my favorite day three safety, no doubt about it. But he's just got, he's got to hone it in. He's got to get a defensive secondary coach or a defensive coordinator to one, deploy in the right way to get him motivated three, but most importantly, get him focused, just get him to focus in on the technique, focus on his, what his responsibilities are. He freelances a little bit too much. He just gets out of what he needs to do, but man, his film and especially his highs are a lot of fun to watch. 
we're going to have an interesting thing happen in this final segment. How high do you have Andre Cisco? <laughs> Transition us and find out, brother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's do this. All right. So let's talk about the top fives. Let's get to our top fives now in the free safety class. You could also shout out any of the guys that, um, that you didn't mention that you maybe want to mention in the class. I, I watched Josh Bledsoe as well. Also watched Paris Ford. Uh, watched Richard LeCount from Georgia. Uh, had had those guys that I did final evals on. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to get to your 5-1, to one, let's do it. Uh, five is Andre Sisko. <laughs> yeah, Syracuse. Okay, all right. There we go. Yeah. I'm in. Make plays for me. You don't see ball production like this from the roof the way you get it out of Cisco. I'll buy it. I'll risk it. I don't care. He could be awesome. Yeah, my, are we going all the way up five to one? Yeah, just go five to one. You you just go all, all right. the way. You can just run it. Four is James Wiggins out of Cincinnati, who I didn't get a chance to really talk about and break through. Okay. Wiggins is redshirt senior. Wiggins is is not dissimilar to Hufanga. He's not going to be drafted as highly as he should because of the injuries that he's dealt with. Wiggins tore an ACL to start the 2019 season, uh, which was going to be the, his like real breakout season. He was all ACC in 2018. Rehabbed from ACL. Uh, Came back for 2020, had a setback, missed some practice, played, had another injury, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, this Cincinnati defense is nuts. It asks your safeties to just solve problems for you. Wiggins was all over the place. He he was called the freak in the program. He was one of Feldman's freaks. He's a ridiculous athlete with high football IQ, great character, leadership. He can do it all and do it very, very well. All right. Is he healthy and is he going to be as quick uh, with shoulder injuries and knee injuries? So Wiggins at four. Homsen to Cyril Dean at three. Uh, a Let's go, I, baby. I, yeah, a player I comp to Jakiski Tart. Uh, 6'3", 215. You want to make him your tight end eraser. You want to make him that player. Are his transitions ever going to be that good in man coverage? Maybe not. But he can occupy a ton of space and zones for you. And he has enough range to play deep at his sides, which is bananas cream pie. He needs to go to a versatile defensive coordinator. Number two for me is Talano Hufanga. And number one for me is Trevon Merrick out of TCU. Uh, this is going to be hilarious. Um, five for me is Richie Grant. We already talked about how I'm, I'm kind of skeptical on Richie Grant. Uh, I have him extremely close to Andre Sisco. So there's a chance I, I might flip these dudes at, at, at the end just to maybe stick to my guns. But as of right now, I've got Cisco at six, and I have Richie Grant at five. Four, I have Ardarius Washington. I understand the size concerns, but he just plays the position so well, and i got to trust it. Three, I've got Javon Holland. I talked about him being a good nickel defender. I believe in his tight end neutralizing ability. It seems more than Ben does. I was impressed with his athleticism and his size when he was playing in 2019. Opted out for 2020, so we didn't get to see that. But also had really good ball production to go with it. So I have him at number three. I am higher on Homsen the serial D than you are. Wow, how I, about that? I At the have, end of it all. I have you are higher you were higher on Cisco than me, and I was higher on Homsen Serial Dean. Love Homsa. I have Nasirial Dean. His twenty twenty film was good. I have Nobody N- talked about it. It was in the middle of the season. I have Nasirial Dean at number two. I'll read his blurb really quick because I've I've read a bunch of other ones. Nasirial Dean is a rare combination of size and athleticism. He, he is, is he is not quite on the level of what you would say a Derwin James is when it comes to elite athleticism but he can fill a very versatile role as a big safety. Right now, he is more experienced and impressive in zone coverage, both as a rat hole defender and as a single high type, but man coverage, but a man coverage defender against tight ends in the NFL is certainly in the cards. He's smart and reliable in coverage and when, ta- and when tackling. He's a high floor player 
as long as his recent ACL tear doesn't hold him back from regaining his previous high form. High floor. I like that. Most yeah. people would call him high ceiling. No, I mean, like, I called him high floor just because I feel like you could play him in a lot of different spots. It's like, hard to be that athletic and bad. Yeah, you know, like, I'm <laughs> just... do a lot of things. Yeah, he's 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 big, tall, and he's athletic. And for that reason, I really do. I think that he's a high floor safety. I think that if you cannot deploy Homsen and Cyril Dean in the right areas, you... Uh, need Your defense sucks. To help, <laughs> you need help as a defensive coordinator because you got to figure it out. Because I think this guy's really good. And then uh, safety one is Trayvon Merrick. So there we go, five to one. That was exciting. That was a very good. That was a very good intro episode into our final evals. I really enjoyed that. Hopefully, you guys did as well. Tomorrow's episode of the podcast, we're doing cornerbacks. We're trying to finish up all of the cornerback tape that we can this week. Uh, like I said, you might have to. You might have to bear with us if the releases of the podcast might be a little Somebody late or just, might be a little. Somebody just added us on Twitter and was like, hey, I know you guys joked about ending the podcast this past week, but where's the episode? I forgot <laughs> we did that. And now we're late on the Monday show. We're releasing it, people on Twitter. We're releasing it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Cornerbacks are tomorrow. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.